Well, hello there, friends, and welcome to Liberation Lectionary, uh, where, where each week we try to um, look at the readings for the upcoming Sunday according to the Revised Common Lectionary, one of those readings uh, off in the Gospel, as is the case for this Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Easter, we'll be looking at John 10, um, verses 11 through 18. And uh, what we do each week is we are in search of the good news of liberation. Um, and so we're on a special mission. Uh, my name is Jamie Edwards Acton, and I am an Episcopal priest out here in Los Angeles. And as always, is my compa. Hey, what's up, everybody? Francisco Garcia, also a priest uh, uh, and a troublemaker, thinker, <laughs> trying to trying to practice, but right now I'm deep in studies. So, um, but you know, it's, it's all good. We're gonna, we're gonna send some prayers Francisco's way, make sure he can get through this uh, semester and um, not just his own work, but getting everybody else's work graded too. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's always that good time of year for yeah. when you're both a student and a teacher. Well, we're wishing you all the best Francisco. Um, Thanks brother. Um, so John 10, 11 through 18, would you please read that for us, Francisco? And then we'll get started uh, as we do. We just kind of riff back and forth. Uh, a good image would probably be a heated tennis match as we volley back and forth. Uh, but oh, we don't get too heated. We do. No, that's we, do. True. We, we, you know, and we're often on the same side of the net. So <laughs> it's yeah. So <laughs> maybe, right. it maybe we should get heated. We should figure out, you know, let's create some conflict here. Okay. That's right. So this is the gospel of John uh, 10, verses 11 through 18. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. This is the gospel, good Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, let me, um, let me just, uh, I'll get things started, uh, Francisco, and, um, you know, just thinking about this passage, I guess the, a few things come to mind. There's some uh there's some context in in the um the text itself but then i guess there's just some cultural things to consider so, so let me start with the context some of the context in within the text itself is uh as we were just talking about um you know before starting to record that the you know the 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 chapter 9 of john which i love and it's this whole chapter is this kind of uh, healing process, right? This healing process and then all this kind of 
you know, basically on trial. Not only is the the Jesus on trial of healing a young blind man, uh, but the blind man or the once blind man, formerly blind man, is now on trial too. And then the parents too are brought into the uh, to the discussion um, and to kind of you know people are trying to get to the bottom of of what actually happened. It's a great chapter. I love the chapter and. Mm-hmm. It's um, so reflective of the Christian community, that chapter, the, um, you know, that kind of slow kind of growing awareness um, of being able to see in a different way. And um, so I think John, uh, the author of this gospel, is speaking directly throughout this whole gospel. But I love that how he speaks directly to this, you know, in chapter nine to their experience. I think another context here, historical context, is... um, uh, well, in the text itself, I think there's this, the celebrating the rededication of the temple, mm-hmm. which is Hanukkah. And I think it's the, um, that's the kind of within the story itself, that's what's happening. And then for those who don't know, that's the, uh, the celebration of the Maccabean revolt when Judas Maccabeus, you know, uh, is successful in overthrowing uh, empire and oppressor and occupier um, for a time anyways. And so- There goes another uh, liberation story, right? There, there you go. And <laughs> um, so it's this, it's that, it's, uh, it, it's that context, there's that liberative uh, like emotion out there, but also at the same time, there's still the, uh, the Judaism at that time is still, the temple is central right to its identity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um and i think that's important because i think this metaphor which i'll get to in a second in terms of i think this metaphor moves is trying to move kind of you know kind of uh where uh god works out from the temple right because this the sheep and shepherd scene does not happen in the temple that much we can probably discern Mm-hmm. So, um, so th- those are just a couple kind of contextual things to keep in mind. And then I think in the, in uh, what I'll just say, and I'll turn it over to you, um, Francisco, is that, um, you know, the sh- uh, as I mentioned earlier, the sheep metaphor, you know, Jesus constantly uses metaphors to teach very uh, regular folk, you know, that are often working class folks that are, you know, or, or poor marginalized folks using the, using uh, metaphors and like using things that are part of their everyday life, right? Whether they're seeds that people are planting or whether they're bread that people are making or, uh, or, you know, um, figs that people are harvesting off trees or, you know, or anything, right? I mean, it's like day-to-day things, right? Being people, uh, kind of day laborers, right? Waiting for, to get picked up for a job or something like that. And this is no exception, uh, with sheep, and this is something that is very biblical. There's all kinds of shepherds in scripture from Zip, Zipporah to Moses to David to, you know, that at least for a time in their lives are all, uh, you know, sh- well-known shepherds. But I just want to point out that that we have, I think we have distanced ourselves from that, from the power of that metaphor. Mm-hmm. Okay. And mm-hmm. from the, from the proximity of that metaphor, meaning like we've distanced ourselves from the the dailiness, from the ordinariness, from um, to really understand. And so I just want to put that out there that I think if we're still going to approach this Good Shepherd uh, passage, you know, with just, you know, the the white 
you know, kind of Jesus with the lamp, cute lamb on his shoulders. And, you know, I mean, I think we're going to miss it by a mile. Right. And so I don't I don't necessarily have all the answers where, uh, you know, what the significance is. But I hopefully we can get somewhere in this conversation. But I just kind of want to set the table there that right. I think that that metaphor uh, that we learn or that's I didn't grow up in the church, but some of us learn in Sunday school could be a little kind of it could create some misunderstanding in terms of what Jesus was getting at. here. So I'll just say that in terms yeah. of you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the good shepherd, um, I think that there's a way to, yes, to recover what it means, right? And, and going along your theme of the, um, the everydayness, right, of what, of a, of a shepherd in, the, in this context of a, you know, a rural farming community, you know, the sort of a peasant culture. Um, the um you know the shepherd was a clear example of a caretaker right and so it's important to think about that that it's there are many metaphors um or i guess um what's the word um types or um archetypes i guess that could have been used right uh to, to to model what god who god is what is god like and how does jesus sort of reflect you know god in the world to you know to those who follow um right it, it's not a warrior right not, there were warriors in this context too right there were battles and um uh and no but a shepherd right so it's a very much it's uh a caretaking role right it's where we get the earliest understandings of what it means to pastor right this idea of caring for a flock of um, and the, the, so rather than, like you said, this, um, you know, kind of top down image, it's actually a very grounded image. It's, it, it, you are in the context of the flock, right? Um, you're not apart from them. And, um, it, you know, then connecting with the idea that you talked about in terms of some of the liberating um, roots, um, then we can sort of see the shepherd in, in, in that kind of a light, you know, that caretaking yeah. is kind of, for us now, especially, is kind of countercultural, right? Um, you know, especially in a male-dominant patriarchal culture, the idea of how do we lift up um, the values of, of care in our economy, for instance, right? And, and build an economy that is rooted in, in caretaking as opposed to profit-making, and what, how would that fundamentally change the way a business is done, the way um, people are taken care of, the way that workers are, are, are recognized for the dignity of their labor, you know? And we can continue right. to go with this in a lot of different directions. Right. Yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, and I, I think some of the things I'm thinking about too is how we, you know, have domesticated this image a little bit, right? That we, you know, the sh a shepherd is not just like, someone who has a nine to five, right? That is, and the pen is outside, you know, the back of the house, right? Um, at least at the time when Jesus, you know, talks about shepherds, shepherds are, um, they're, they're, they roamed, right? They were very kind of, you know, they were like, you know, didn't, they didn't necessarily, uh, they weren't home a lot of the time. Let's put, they were out in the wilderness, in the you know, because they were seeking places uh, where the sheep could eat. They were seeking and it was like their entire life. Yeah. And so they were constantly facing danger. Um, and and they were out in in uh, away from kind of 
protected spaces, even though we talk about, you know, the, the pen, you know, the, uh, the shepherd pen and stuff like that. Um, but that, those are things that are built out in, you know, like on, you know, when they're out there in the wilderness and like makeshift pens and stuff like that. And I'm also thinking about the way that shepherds, you know, you see a sheepdog or something like that. And you see the way that shepherds lead, you don't necessarily see them like, uh, all the way, all the time, you know, in front, very, right. you know, like, um, unanxious, you know, just calmly walking and everybody follows, right? Mindlessly. No, that's not actually how it happens. Sheep are, are uh, you know, they're kind of uh, very active and, and can be rambunctious and they, you know, and you kind of have to lead from behind. You know, my images that I've seen even with the sheepdog and, you know, it's like from behind and getting, you know, like having to, you know, kind of like, um, you know, really intervene in situations yeah. to get to push people to push sheep to you know so it's not like well, so i want to challenge a lot of aspects where oh, yeah. sheep have their own minds they have their own directions they want to go in their own things they want to do but yet there's and then so there's jesus as this shepherd image kind of you know kind of coming from the right flank coming from the left flank just keeping us on the you know keeping us moving forward but not like we're all following mindlessly and you know, from behind. So. Sheep have opinions too. That's right. That's right. So we're That's pretty right. much like sheep. We have opinions. We, we, have we might want to go our own way. That's right. And, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I think that, again, we could think about this shepherd. It, 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 to me, then it also becomes kind of like it's an, like the way you described it, especially, it's an early organizing metaphor, right? We, and and we, we talk about Jesus as an organizer. Um, and we, you know, once, if we're reading these scriptures from the lens of liberation, then we're thinking about Jesus in, in, in the, as the role of an organizer, as someone who helps, um, you know, bring people together and does some sort of combination of the pastoral and the prophetic, right? Sometimes that means there's going to be a little bit of work of agitation going on, but not in a way that puts people down, but actually invites them to examine their, their deepest selves and, and how they can be, so, you know, instruments of, of justice or, or, or sort of a, a force for negative, for, for oppression, right? Right. Um, and um, so I think we could, you know, we can carry it a lot of different ways, but if Jesus was organizing and the shepherd is sort of like the model, then again, it's, it's you know, it's a facilitative role. Like you said, it's not being out in front. It's sort of being in the midst of and 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 even behind, and helping to um, hold a lot of things together in tension to move towards some sort of goal of transformation, right. um, and then that come that brings me to sort of another part of the passage that I think we we has also been sort of misused or misunderstood is this idea of there are other sheep, um, you know that are that do not belong to this fold right and in traditional sort of like uh, insular Christian thinking, this is about like, oh, well, we got to make everybody Christian, right? right. Um, you know, the, the, it's about bringing those non-believers into the flock so that, you know, there's one flock, one shepherd, it says, so that everyone is going to be bowing down to the almighty Jesus, right? And again, I actually think this is a deep call to interreligious connection. This is not about all of us sort of you know, being of, you know, these followers of Jesus. This is about acknowledging that um, 
that there that we all we are all connected to each other as humanity period right? right this interdependence of all of humanity and then of all faith traditions um you know and that we belong to each other and we belong to god and to into the the forces of the divine in the world and we got to make something of that yeah and the thing that we have in common is we're all out there in the wilderness seeking sustenance right absolutely uh, looking for that pasture yeah i I, I I love that, and I also too like this. You know, uh, this. Uh, I think a thing that gets romanticized is this idea of laying. You know, I lay down my life in order to you know to take it up. Like this idea of a shepherd sacrificing the um, you know in com in comparison to the hired hand, right? Where like someone's working for money, there is this other relationship that the shepherd has to the sheep, and that and I think that what we don't talk about a lot in that metaphor is the reason that the shepherd does that is not because necessarily there's like this deep fondness for sheep, you know, like just for some reason, sheep stand out in the animal kingdom <laughs> and this shepherd. No, it's because the, all of the shepherd's life, right. Depends on these sheep, right. Uh, any kind of, uh, you know, his, in, his or her entire economic life right taking care of family taking care you know every every survival survival so the the sheep are become precious right they're they're the most uh, precious thing that uh that this shepherd has and um and and if we if we i don't know if we think of that enough when we think of this image that there you know why in jesus translating that into his own kind of sacrificial life and dying and uh if you know if we really give enough time contemplating the motive because of our own preciousness it almost even sounds scandalous to say that which i'm sure it was even in jesus's day and uh but to to really um to just note that you know there there's something in the relationship something uh about us uh you know that jesus uh felt was so precious that you know could not see you know where s kind of sacrificial love was the only way you could respond to that preciousness you know so i don't mm. kind of just playing with that right now but it stands yeah. out to me that i that um i don't think we we think about that enough so and i think there's good news there too right our own kind of our own worth our own value uh, and again, particularly for those who have been fed messages historically or whatever, culturally, that somehow their value is less than, right? Mm -hmm. um, that to, to, to realize your true preciousness, your true value, true worth is very liberating um, and kind yeah. of opens up uh, possibilities, I think, in all kinds of ways. Yeah, I think it, is, it has a lot of implications when we understand it that way for... Um, you, you know, the, the struggle between um, being and doing that, you know, I personally struggle with that as someone obviously who cons is, is um, thrives on activity, on activism, right, mm -hmm. on busyness in a lot of ways. And so the call to just receive that, that truth that we are God's beloved, right, you know, right. or we are the precious, you know, um, the the ones of, of of god and belong to the fold everybody does 
regardless of who you are. Um, yeah, that is a, sort of a liberating thing. And imagine if that can then be the practice that we have in the world, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is like all of scriptures to, uh, is to see things through the eyes of God or see things through the eyes of Jesus. So, uh, you know, I'm thinking of just, you know, still every day, right. It's just another, uh, shooting of a black or brown body or, um, and, and, you know, there's all kinds of reasons and excuses and stuff that, you know, are made why these things happen. Right. Um, but I think at the core of it is just like not being able to see the preciousness, right? Not being able to see through the eyes of Jesus or eyes of God, others, right? And uh, because of their skin color, because of their, you know, where they live or where, you know, how they talk or whatever. And, and uh, I think it's that lack of, you know, it's just not being able to see that, seeing, seeing the less than the precious nature uh, essence, a uh, core of somebody then al allows you, you know, uh, or, or create space for you to fire your weapon four times before anything is said, or, you know, pull a weapon instead of a taser or, yep. you know, or kneel on someone's neck for nine minutes and 20 whatever seconds. And, you know, it's, and it's because we don't, people don't see the preciousness right in the other. So, and, and there's so much investment in institutions that we have, that have been built, right? Um, and there's this, there's this kind of feeling that, that they, they can't be, you know, we're too invested in them to let them go or to think about, um, a, you know, breaking them down some way, right? So, and ultimately I think what the, the, the message of the liberation and of, 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 like you said, this belovedness or this preciousness of all of humanity is like no, no institution that has been humanly constructed is more important than the people right. that it has been supposedly meant to serve, right? Mm -hmm. And that includes the church. That's that right. includes the church, right? And so that's a, that, you know, we call out um, our own institution, when the, when the institution itself becomes more important than the actual message and the call to, to love and serve, and, you know, to see Christ in all persons and to push this radical love uh, as far as we possibly can within our ability, mm -hmm. then we've ceased to actually, it ceased to be a vehicle that can, that, that can help. That's right. Yeah. And sometimes beyond reform, right? Sometimes, uh, sometimes it just takes, you know, uh, as as we experience in Scripture, right? And sometimes it, it requires a tearing down of things and a, a rebuilding of things from the ground up, and um, and in new ways, right? In new, completely brand new ways, not just a new paint job or a new lumber, but reimagining things completely. Um, and putting, you know, things that will then uh, support that effort to help people see the preciousness of one another rather than uh, something else. So, yeah, I mean, we could talk about it in all kinds of different ways, right? Earth Day, yeah. we're talking about Earth Day and, and the, the, the demand to respond to 
you know, climate change, like think about all the institutions that we are invested in that, um, you know, and all of the corporate activity, right? That, that all the human consumption, but especially that human consumption that is um, done by like the top 100 corporations in the world that emit, I think about 75% of the carbon you know, that's produced, that's, you know, it's insane, right? Mm. So this system that we are uh, been a part of, like, what is it going to take for us to, to break it down, you know, and say, this is no longer, this is not in the service of humanity and in our, in, in our survival on this planet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Francisco, this has been, you know, this is, I think we've Small done- question, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think well, I think in a in a not too long of time, too much time, we have, if if anything, just to not let people preach the typical, uh, you know, good shepherd sermon, uh, without any kind of kind of critical, you know, thinking about it, right? Uh, whether it's kind of the being distanced from the metaphor, or this kind of not seeing through the eyes of. Jesus or, you know, that kind of stuff. But I, hopefully we've invited people to reconsider it, not to and re- to reconsider it. So to discover new power, right. In this, yeah. in this uh, metaphor and, and bring it a little bit closer to home rather than have be this kind of, um, you know, like this uh, iconic kind of passage that, uh, but at the same time remains kind of, you know, kind of foreign to us. So hopefully we've been able to bring it, a little closer to home, hopefully. So we try. Should we call it there, Francisco? Call I it a day. So. Um, well, I've as always, Francisco. I enjoy just uh, hanging out with you for a few minutes and um, just you know kicking these things around. Um, we're here every week. Uh, we hope that you will like us on Facebook, uh, that you'll follow us on Instagram, and share. Uh, what we're doing uh, with your friends and um, and and hopefully you might be able to use something in the pulpit or out in the street or around the dinner table conversation with family and friends. Uh, but until uh, next time, peace.